Welcome to Automators. I'm David Sparks and joined by my co-host Rosemary Orchard. And this is the Automators, where we talk about how to automate your technology to do your bidding for you. Hello, Rosemary Orchard. Hello, David Sparks. How are you? I am excited. Today, we've got a guest on the show, not just any old guest, but a developer friend that is making automation easier for everyone. Welcome to the show, Alex Hay. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no no worries at all. Alex, if you didn't know, is the developer of Toolbox Pro. So, uh, and we're going to talk about Toolbox Pro, but this isn't a hour-long commercial for his app, but we will talk about it. Um, the uh, So what Toolbox Pro does, though, is it takes a lot of features that we would like to have in shortcuts, and it adds them to shortcuts. It's an ingenious app that uses the uh, abilities that shortcuts gives us to tie to apps to add new features. I was just telling yes. Alex before we got started, like, I never thought that an independent app developer would be able to add face detection to my shortcuts <laughs> list of tools. But man, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so. yes, you did. And you didn't just do that. I, I believe uh, you were saying uh, a while ago, uh, it might have been on Twitter, that you have officially discovered that there is a limit to the number of shortcut actions that you can, I think the technical word according to Apple is donate, which I have issues with, but that's beside the point. So you've run into that limit because you have so many actions in your app, right? Yeah, unfortunately I have, uh, <laughs> which isn't ideal. Um, yeah, I think when I launched the app, I had about 50 actions in it i think um and i've sort of gradually been adding more and more as i go along uh and the last update that i submitted came back with an automatic rejection uh saying you can't have over 100 uh shortcut actions um so i'm currently trying to work out a way around that well i i think that's a good problem to have rather than a bad problem to have because that means that you've got a lot of really cool stuff for us to play with today hopefully yeah hopefully that's the case that's kind of a weird rule, though. I mean, they, they definitely want developers using shortcuts. So why put an artificial limit on it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether that's a, a technical limitation or whether when they were sort of building the system, someone just put a sort of arbitrary limit just saying, oh, I guess no, one, no one's ever going to uh, add more than 100 actions to one, one app. Uh, so I'm not sure. But hopefully that will be fixed in the future. We'll see. Apple, if you're listening, add a couple of zeros after that for us. Yeah, yeah. or you know, just <laughs> yes, like, please. and it's not like 128 or 256. It's it's a hundred. So I suspect yeah. it's just a number somebody put in there. Yeah, I've got my fingers crossed for that. Add an integer, please. We just want one more. Well, well, a thousand <laughs> is okay. We'll be okay with a thousand as a limit. <laughs> I mean, I would also go if you're only going to type one number, type a nine at the beginning. So 9,100. That's that's a nice number. There you go. Absolutely. I'd take that. That's a lot of work, though. <laughs> that would keep me going for a few years. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily set it as a challenge for you, but there's there's a lot of different actions here already, which are pretty awesome. So, you know, when we were uh, at WWDC and we saw the, the big changes to shortcuts, and, you know, it seems to me like Apple really doesn't want URL schemes to become the lingua franca of applications. Um, I think that's a fair assumption. It's, there's, I'm sure there's security issues, and it's also very user-unfriendly unless you're you know, a nerd that listens to the Automators podcast. But, the, um, but you know, they, they created this framework where people can take information out of their app, they can pass it to another app, they can get information back. So suddenly we've got apps that can talk to each other, which is one of the reasons why Rosemary and I are so excited about it. But 
But I have to admit, it didn't occur to me the idea of a headless kind of app where uh, just like we have apps that add a keyboard to your your iPhone, now we have apps that add shortcut actions to your and, and the name, by the way, Alex, is brilliant, you know, a toolbox. So so we've got all these extra ones. Like I, I mentioned earlier in the show, one of them is the ability to look at an image and figure out if there's a face on it. But you know, you can authenticate through finger or face ID. There's just like a, a whole bunch of cool stuff you can do with your app. So, and we are going to get back around to that. I want to talk about it later, but, but Alex, how did you get started with automation? Well, actually I'm, I'm not a app developer by trade. Yeah. Uh, that's very much a sort of hobby that I do on the side. Um, starting with toolbox pro actually, it's my first app. Um, professionally, I'm a documentary editor. Uh, so, you know, 10 hours a day, I'll be in an edit suite, stitching together hundreds of hours of footage to make TV programs. Sure. Um, but, Originally, when I started out about 10 years ago, um, I was an assistant editor. So I was wrangling all that sort of data and all that footage that came in from directors. Um, And it was just that sort of point in the TV industry when we were moving from tape footage to digital footage. So we suddenly went from these sort of experienced directors who were used to handling, you know, tapes and just writing their sort of name and a tape number on the front to suddenly have, having to like ingest these cards full of like thousands and thousands of clips. So you get all sorts of mistakes um, when they'd hand you all this media to ingest. Um, and I sort of very quickly discovered that automation was my friend. Like I'd be sort of renaming um, all the clips to sort of match, and I'd be using um, autom- uh, what was it called? Uh, file renamer. <laughs> Yeah, file renamer. I'd be using no Hazel, Apple I'm script. <laughs> yeah, Hazel, all that sort of stuff. So that really got me sort of got my uh, eyes open to the world of automation. Yeah, I, I bet. I mean, anytime you're you're working with large volumes of files, not only is automation faster, it's more accurate, and uh, that's just a great scenario for it. Um, Absolutely. You only you only uh, rename a hundred files once by hand, and then uh, you find a different way quickly after that. Yeah. Exactly. Well. This way, if you're smart and you want to spend your time doing other things than renaming files, then yes, yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's an easy place to get started with automation. I know that that's one of the things a lot of people realize quite quickly that they they spend a lot of time naming files and it's it's boring and you always mess something up when you do it by hand. So if you can automate it, yeah, it's a great place to get started. So what tools, so I guess you said you're using file renamer for that, but also were you doing file organization at the time, like moving them to different folders and things? Yeah, I mean, I think I was using AppleScript to sort of make backups. Um, and I think there's there's loads of tools now that sort of do it much better than what I was using in the early days. Yeah. Um, but back then it was all a bit, um, it's a bit Heath Robinson. I was sort of coding little bits and pieces to sort of help me out, I suppose. Yeah. No, but it makes sense. And once you have the tools, you know, that's a great excuse to use them. But now that today we're talking about an app on iOS, do you uh, were you a big automator in iOS before uh, iOS 13? Uh, yeah, I think I'd, I was quite late to the automation party on iOS. I'd sort of used... That's okay, so was Apple. Draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they certainly were. I, I hadn't really used Workflow a huge amount. Um so when it became shortcuts, I started hearing about it a lot more. Um, and that's when I really started getting interested in it and sort of playing around with it and, and really starting to see, you know, what sort of power it's got and, and what it can do. And it's sort of, that's what really got my mind racing about what it can't do and what I wish it could do. 
Um, mm. So that's sort of really what got me into it, I think. Yes. And then I, I, did you did you see the keynote and immediately go, I can do this with Toolbox Pro? Or was it an idea that sat around for a while and then percolated before you really could seize it and run with it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think when I heard that um, Apple were putting it as a first party app, I sort of, uh, my mind was sort of boggling at the the possibilities of what they could be adding. Because um, I think, you know, Shortcuts is an incredible tool and it makes it makes it really easy for people who don't know how to code to sort of build things that really help them with their sort of um, professional work or with home stuff. Um, but I think there's everyone who's sort of used Shortcuts has probably searched for an action that they expect to be there that isn't there. And so I had a, a sort of um, shopping list of tools that I was hoping they were going to add in WWDC. Um, and I think they probably gave us something better in that they sort of opened up parameters to developers and let us sort of build really full-featured tools for ourselves. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because if you look at iOS historically, I mean, they clearly were not interested in automation when they started. And and really the original sin of iOS is that they didn't put in like an Apple events type programming framework. You know, on, on the Mac, everything that happens on your computer is an Apple event. And once you've got access to the event, then you can manipulate it, which makes automation on the Mac, if you know how, what you're doing, amazing. And that that wasn't built into iOS. So then they had this change of heart, and now we're catching up. And and you're exactly right. It, you, normal users can't access something like an Apple event to create their their automation. So we need Apple to give us the tools through shortcuts and we need developers like you to build the tools that you know aren't already there because that you, if you don't have the tool you're not you're not going to magically like run an apple script on an iphone to create an automation it just it's not possible um so it it really is nice uh, that you know we we i feel like we started a little behind but now suddenly there's these amazing tools showing up yeah i mean i think it's a really exciting time to be a shortcuts user because there's what they've really done is is sort of open up the platform and you're yeah. starting to get all these developers like me who are sort of seeing opportunities to really open it out to users and let them do like so much more with shortcuts that they wouldn't have been able to do before. And it just lets people create more and more powerful tools without having to know any code. And that's what really excites me, I think. Now, I definitely want to get back to Toolbox Pro, but when you tell me you're an editor and you're you're still dealing with lots of files, um, how are you dealing today with those files as they come in? You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there thinking about automating or file Or have you management. cheated and automated it with an assistant editor of your own? Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I barely touch that footage anymore um, because I tend to be working in places that, you know, they take all the footage in for me and I just deal with telling the story, which which is much better. Yeah, um, I bet. And uh, unfortunately, like, I tend to work on these these sort of PC machines um, I couldn't even tell you, you know, what version of Windows it is or whatever, because I'm just uh, an avid media composer as the software I use. Sure. Um, but they tend to air gap them, so they won't be connected to the internet. Uh, you can't plug in your USB keys because they want to keep them sort of really uh, locked down. Wow. Uh, which makes automating it pretty hard because I can't sort of stick my USB in with all my little uh, tools to uh, do what I want to, unfortunately. Ah. That's not fun. Are you automating things at home then, seeing as you don't have an automation outlet at work? Well, I mean, I definitely, when I've been cutting stuff on my on my laptop, I'll have like uh, keyboard maestro shortcuts 
um, or actions rather that will, um, you know, with one keystroke do 10 keystrokes and that, you know, really speeds things up. That's probably the most useful, I think. Yeah, I do something very similar with ScreenFlow. I use ScreenFlow for screencasting. And there's a bunch of stuff in there that I can do very fast with the keyboard. But at some point you realize, wait a second, I'm doing the exact same thing with the exact same keys. Even if it's just four or five keys, why not put it on a keyboard maestro script? Yes, definitely. I keep doing the same thing in in, in ScreenFlow, which is select something and then do a REPL delete. However, I've not yet figured out how to automate the selection. So if somebody can write a macro for me that automatically figures out exactly which part of the script that I mean to cut, that would be really great. Uh, but I'm, yeah. I'm guessing you don't have an automation to solve that for me, Alex. <laughs> Unfortunately, not at the moment, but I'll, uh, I'll add it to my growing list. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure out where you're going to make the cut, but then after that, you can automate it. Yeah. Well, after you figured it out, then it's only to, to uh, it's command backspace and that's it. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure it's worth automating that just yeah. yet, but I'll, I'll see what happens. Well, the, um, wow, now you've got my head spinning, Rosemary. I'm thinking maybe I would do an, an analysis of the waveform. That would be, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so so uh, Apple comes out with shortcuts and they they add this mechanism for developers to much more easily share data between apps. And I don't know. I, I don't know if you were on the beta or you waited until the gym. I know you were on the beta because I saw your app coming out in the beta. But the uh, at what point do you say, okay, not only do they not have the tool that I want, I think I'll go ahead and make it. Well, I, that was also in WWDC. Uh, that sort of um, changed my direction a lot, I think, because I... I'd sort of opened Xcode probably a couple of years ago and had sort of been scared off, I think, because UIKit is like quite a lot to get your head around to build apps. Yeah. Um, but on the stage at WWDC, they introduced uh, Swift UI, yeah. which is a sort of new way of creating apps uh, on iOS devices uh, and Macs, actually. Uh, and it's much more user-friendly. It's much more visual. And I, sort of, <laughs> I saw that and I thought, oh, my God, even, even I could probably do that if I put my hand to it. Well, especially because Toolbox Pro isn't a, a heavy UI app, you know. No, exactly. And it uses all sort of um, very normal iOS um, elements. It's not a lot of sort of custom UI in there. Yeah. Um, so really, I thought, oh, you know, that's something I should be able to do. And then so after I'd seen the shortcuts and after I'd seen Swift UI, I think I watched uh, one of the WWDC videos where they were talking about improvements to the vision framework. Uh And the vision framework is one of Apple's frameworks that does image recognition. So they use that for, so the example you were talking about earlier with the detecting faces, that's part of the vision framework. Um, It's also the optical character recognition. So the OCR, which pulls text out of images, that's part of the vision framework. And they were showing examples of that and it all looked pretty simple to implement. Um, Or so I thought at the time. Um, (laughs) And after seeing sort of those three things together, I sort of thought, oh, I'd love to have a sort of native OCR action inside of Shortcuts. That feels like something that should already be there. That would be super useful. Um, and that was, that was my, my sort of starting point for creating my first action or my first tool within Toolbox Pro. Um, and it prob- probably took two weeks of sort of fiddling around and failing and and uh trying to work out how it all worked before i finally had this sort of really really rough prototype that you know you could pass an image into the action 
and then out, out the output of the action would spit out the text in the image and I thought wow that's you know that's got some promise to it and you know then I started thinking about all the other tools that could be built that could um, you know improve shortcuts so now if you're listening and you didn't catch that we've got an action in toolbox pro where you can use a shortcut pass it an image and then it hands you back the text that was in the image that's a that's a feature that we've seen in some apps over the years like i remember when uh, evernote when evernote first came out that was a big selling point that you'd put your pictures up there and it would give you the text out of them and uh this is being done on your iphone with no cloud resources through shortcuts where you're literally building your own app using the apple api that alex has conveniently added to shortcuts for us it's just it, it's really uh, impressive what you did. Cool. I'm, I'm glad you like it. I mean, that's a tool that I use like all the time. So I've, I really built it for myself and uh, I'm glad that, glad that other people can find use in it as well. I feel like I have a pretty good window into how you use your iPhone just based on the shortcuts that get added to this. I, I, I feel like, like <laughs> I, I think you use reminders and I, <laughs> because it's like, I can see all the problem areas Alex has run into. He has created shortcuts to fix them. Yes. Yes, that was something after um, one of our uh, podcasts a couple of months ago, and I mentioned that you could use Scriptable. Um, oh, it was our packing list um, oh, automators episode, David, yeah. uh, where I mentioned that you could use Scriptable to create a reminders list um, if it didn't exist. Um, uh, Alex, I think you you mentioned me on Twitter and said, y- you know that that's an action in Toolbox Pro as well. And I'm there going, well, that's a darn sight easier than writing a Scriptable action. Uh, because, of course, it's Scriptable action, I think, is only two lines of script. Um, but if you can add it as a shortcuts action, then that's even more user-friendly and you can hand off the really complex logic to something like Scriptable uh, when you need to. And it's just so much more accessible. Yeah, I mean, if you can just drag and drop a single action and, you know, toggle a couple of buttons uh, and just stick that inside a larger shortcut, I mean, that's that gives you a lot of power without having a lot of complexity, which I think is what is great about shortcuts in the first place, really. Indeed, I feel like where the reminders team you know, took their lunch break and didn't finish their shortcut integration, you picked up the slack. I mean, there's several reminders, uh, shortcuts that seemed like they should have shipped with it, but they didn't. And, um, and thank you for, uh, for making this. Yeah. I think uh, everyone is, um, so used to having quite sort of limited automation on iOS that as soon as you add just to like a couple of things, um, that you can do with sort of native apps that you couldn't do before inside shortcuts, people like react really well to it. Because it's like a... our internal programming is we only get that from Apple. I mean, the only people who yeah. are going to add reminder shortcuts is the people who made it, right? Exactly, but but the APIs already exist and they're there, and it's just a case of sort of linking it all up. Yeah. This episode of the Automators is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Go to textexpander.com/podcast and let them know you heard about it from the Automators to get twenty percent off your first year. You can unlock your productivity with Text Expander and manage everything you type repetitively, like email addresses, phone numbers, common message replies, and more. Text Expander works everywhere you type, like word processors, email and messaging apps, and online forms. Online forms, by the way, are a great use of Text Expander. You can customize your snippets with fill-in fields and pop-up lists, and check out Text Expander for Teams if you need to manage snippets for your company. I've been using Text Expander for a long time, and I can tell you it's a great entry point for automation. If you're listening to the automators and you want to get better at this stuff, Text Expander gives you an easy on-ramp. 
With Text Expander, you can automate common emails you send to people. You can even add Apple Script and advanced tools to make your text expansion snippets really dance for you. Just imagine if you could have a text expansion snippet that would automatically include the contents of your clipboard. You can do that with Text Expander. Text Expander is available for macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, and Automator's listeners get 20% off their first year. Just go to TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. Let them know you heard about it from the Automators and you'll get 20% off that first year. That's TextExpander.com slash podcast. If you've been meaning to try Text Expander, check it out now. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Alex, before we get into some more of the cool Toolbox Pro shortcuts, you know, as you started developing this thing, at what point did you realize it was going to be an app? Or you know, at what point did it come go from something to make yourself happy to, hey, this might be a product? Um, I think I, I had a really sort of rough um, wireframe of it, really, that probably had, I don't know, like 10 tools in it. Yeah. Um, that were sort of really rough ones, like these sort of um, OCR one I was describing. Uh, and I I thought I'd want to see what other people sort of thought of it. So I opened a beta up uh, to a sort of quite a limited number of people just to sort of get their feedback. Um, and, I, you know, there was immediately a, a sort of flood of suggestions for other tools. Yeah. Uh, and lots of, lots of things that people have been wishing that shortcuts could do that um, it, it hasn't been able to do so far. Um, so I, I was sort of making a long, long list of tools to, to build. Uh, and opened my beta up to the public, and I was sort of getting more and more people joining up to it. Um, and I sort of ended up really developing it in, uh, in the public eye, I suppose, uh, with you know loads of user feedback, sort of dictating which tools they wanted me to add. Um, so as as it sort of got further and further along, I thought you know this this has to be an app that I release on the App Store. The only sort of um, question mark I think in my head at the time was it's quite an unusual app. Um, as you said, like the, there aren't that many sort of headless apps uh, on the App Store that don't actually have a huge amount of content in the app. Um, like Toolbox Pro is mostly, you know, when you open it, it's mostly documentation about how each of the tools work uh, and a bunch of examples about, um, you know, sh- demonstrating how those uh, tools work. Um, so I, <laughs> in my head, I was sort of thinking this could be something that Apple just reject outright as being, you know, not a proper app because it's a bit of a uh, gray area with the, um, with the uh, app review team, whether, whether it was going to get through or not. So as soon as it got through the test flight beta and, um, and I submitted it to the app store and it was proved, I thought, you know, I, I'm going to spend some more time really building this out. But you did a really good job with the app. I mean, like, if you compare it to like a keyboard headless app, you know, an app that installs a keyboard on your device, this app actually has content in it. It has resource documentation. And as Alice was mentioning, it's got a bunch of downloadable shortcuts. So you can actually see the tools he's built being used in a practical shortcut. Um, I found it very useful. Like, for instance, you've got some custom UI stuff. Uh, mm. There's a lot to kind of jump around with. I, I would actually like to focus for a minute on some different categories We've already talked a little bit about images, but um, as I understand it, all this image stuff you're doing, like one you didn't mention was you can, you've got a shortcut that can pull the colors out of an image or look for an area of focus. And as I understand that, that's all using Apple's machine learning algorithm. Yeah, yeah, it is actually. Um, so I 
I try to do, yeah, I mean, there's some really powerful frameworks that Apple have um, that use machine learning. Like the OCR one is machine learning. Um, the image recognition one that detects faces is all machine learning. Um, and it's really about sort of boiling though that sort of complexity down into something that you can sort of drag and drop. Um, and I've, tr- I've tried to keep it really, I guess, simple but flexible mm-hmm. so that, you know, if I'm using a color in one action, then it's using a hex code, uh, which is, you know, quite a sort of common format on the web um, to talk about, you know, what a color looks like. Um, and I'll use hex codes in all the actions. So you can sort of swap between them and have a hex code output from one action that you can then use as a parameter for another action. So they all sort of fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. That's the sort of ambition with it. I mean, when Rose and I uh, finished the uh, WWDC and we had our show about it, and we were excited about it, I don't think either one of us ever guessed within months we'd be running machine learning algorithm-based shortcuts. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty crazy. And it's just I think it's just the start as well. There's, there's, um, there's a lot more to come that hopefully will um, get more and more powerful. And if I understand correctly, because so this isn't talking to any servers anywhere, it's running using, I, I think it was the, the graphics chip that's designed for gaming inside of your iPhone or iPad, um, which means that your data is on your device. So for anybody who's there going, well, I need OCR for business purposes, but for data security, I obviously can't send this off to some unknown server. Well, these actions are perfect because they don't send that data anywhere except to your iPhone. And if it's already on your iPhone, then I presume you trust your device. So these are really not just useful for people who who want it built into shortcuts, but for people who need the security aspect as well. Yeah, because, I mean, there are shortcuts out there that can do, you know, OCR, that can use these sort of third-party services. But as you say, if you're using a sort of free service uh, and you're uploading your data into the cloud, then it's probably being used, uh, you know, it's probably being stored, it's probably being used um, to improve their machine learning algorithms, all that sort of stuff. Um, so if you can do it on your device, you know, without needing the internet and to keep it all private, it's, you know, it's win-win, I think. Yes. Yeah. And if, if I understand correctly, the, the, uh, specifically the recognizing faces, uh, action, I, I, I seem to remember that that, um, opens, uh, Toolbox Pro because it needs to access more memory, which means that it pops up in Toolbox Pro and then goes back to shortcuts if I'm remembering this correctly. Yeah, this was a sort of limitation that I ran into fairly early on and sort of had to work out, um, you know, a workaround to get around it. Um, But essentially, when you run an action inside of Shortcuts that is from a third-party app, you're creating an instance of that app in the background. Mm -hmm. um, And then that instance of the app uh, is using a really sort of limited pool of memory to um, do whatever the action uh, needs to do to the input. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the case of, say, recognizing faces in an image, uh, if you've got a large image, as soon as that's loaded into memory, it can be too much. And if it's too big for the memory cache, then it will just crash, um, which isn't ideal. Um, <laughs> so so as far as far as I possibly can, I'm trying to create these actions that are like native actions inside Shortcuts. So they work exactly the same as a native action. Um, you know, if you're changing case or if you're, uh, you know, doing whatever you would do in sh- inside of shortcuts. But occasionally, if it is one of these sort of resource uh, intensive actions, then I just need to sort of kick you out of the um, toolbox. Uh, I just need to kick you out of 
shortcuts into Toolbox Pro to do that sort of memory intensive action. Uh, and then I generally have a URL which will put you back inside of shortcuts with the result on the clipboard. Well, I mean, that's a good workaround. It's certainly better than crashing somebody's shortcut. And I know, um, I seem to remember Simon Stovering, the developer of Scriptable, was saying that there's a, a similar limitation when you run things through Siri or through the Today widget, that you also have that that same, you know, limited memory um, problem, essentially. So that, you know, every, every developer is going to encounter this at some point. I seem to remember... Um, one app developer telling me that they were very concerned about adding shortcut support to their app because essentially it would be happening in a, a separate container and it wouldn't sync to the database in the app until the app was opened. Um, and that would could lead to some very unexpected results in some cases. Though, of course, Toolbox Pro, not necessarily having a database aside from global variables, which we'll get to in a bit, might do a little better there than some other apps. Yeah, definitely makes it definitely makes it easier for me just having, you know, most of the content inside of shortcuts. Yes. Uh, but hopefully, you know, that's that's a limitation at the moment, but devices are getting so much more powerful. But hopefully, you know, that memory limit will increase over time. I, you know, I've got my fingers crossed that the shortcuts team, you know, next year or maybe later this year will sort of increase that limit and let us do even more. Yeah, and as I see users using this stuff and developers coming up with ideas, I think that's all the more reason for them to increase that. I mean, I mean, one thing that's been clear to me talking to the shortcuts team is they really want shortcuts to succeed. So, uh, you know, things like a hundred um, donation limit and and memory limitations. I'm sure there are people on Apple right now fighting for you on that kind of stuff. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I have a feeling that the 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 shortcuts team are there going, hmm, so how can we get rid of these limitations and just make everything shortcuts? Um, just because they they probably, like all of us, secretly want to take over the world, but they're they're having fun while doing it. It's amazing, you know, how much the shortcuts team have done inside Apple in such a short amount of time. Like when you think about taking an app, like an independent app like Workflow, and having to integrate that within, you know, Apple's um, ecosystem. Uh, and suddenly hooking it up to Siri and being ex- accessed by you know hundreds of millions of people, you know that must be a huge amount of work for them. So I think it's incredible what they've achieved in in such a short space of time. Yeah, and it just shows a commitment on Apple's behalf to make automation work, or either that or they've got naked pictures of somebody. But the uh, but I, I just <laughs> like who knew that they would redevelop the app in one year and. Uh, I don't know what we're going to get in June this year, but I'm sure that, you know, shortcuts is going to, to get some nice improvements. Yeah. So we've been talking about the photos apps. I, I'll tell you one of my favorite shortcuts I've made with some of the tools out of toolbox pro is kind of building my own scanner. I really like the, um, the way Apple notes scans documents. It does a very good job of edge detection and straightening out. Even if you don't get it straight on. You've managed to combine that into a shortcut with an OCR, I guess, through machine learning. And it's it's pretty great that I could make my own scanning app. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, I use that action all the time as well. Like it's, um, I think it's only available in uh, Notes app and yeah. Files app. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no way of, of using it in automations, I don't think, other than um, sort of the, the tool that I built. Yeah. Um, but as you say, it's such a great interface. It does it does a really great job. Um, so I think you know, I've, I mean, I've got it in a great action that um, lets me sort of rename the file and save it to a PDF, and then shuffles it away into Dropbox. 
yeah. and I use that all the time, like you know, to live a sort of live the sort of paperless lifestyle, as it were. I do think that you know the scanning mechanism Apple created for for notes is superior than most of the third party apps, and now we can have it as shortcuts uh, users. Uh, Rose, what's your favorite image related shortcut you've built out of the stuff that Alex has built? Uh, I actually have been experimenting, um, and this is still a work in progress um, with the the scan the QR code in image uh, action. Okay. Um, so essentially what you can do is you can send a photo um, over to Toolbox Pro and it will find the QR code in it and scan it and send it back. And this has been really useful because um, at work recently, I've been generating a whole bunch of QR codes for testing purposes and I've needed to make sure that they scan but I've also generated a bunch of them as images on my device. And I didn't really want to airdrop them all over to my MacBook Pro um, and then open them up on the screen and then, you know, make sure I've only got one visible, scan it and, and check that it, it comes back with the right information. I wanted a way to batch do this, but I needed to make sure specifically that I was doing it on my iPhone um, and that it would then work. And it works. And this has been really, really helpful. Now, I will admit I have a very bizarre use case here in that I'm generating these QR codes myself on a different device. I have to make sure that they work. Um, but it's been extremely helpful for me. So thank you for that one. Oh, great. I'm glad to hear it. That sounds good. I never would have imagined that use case, to be honest, either. So uh, <laughs> it's really interesting to hear all the sort of um, different ways people are using the tools that I sort of never would have expected. Yeah, I, I, I've never used the key, QR stuff, so there you go. But the, uh, the, the, the my favorite of your samples and the image is, and this is simply because I watched Silicon Valley and I think it was really funny, is uh, Alex made one that you can take a picture of it and we'll just tell you if it's a picture of a hot dog or not. And you have to have seen the show, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's useful. It gets a lot of use, that one. <laughs> yes. yeah. No, uh, I, I'm actually, I, I've also been working, I'm, I'm going to sneak in here and, uh, with a second one, um, with the get colors from image. So um, I am in the progress of doing a slightly secret project, which hopefully will be out in the not too distant future. But for that, I needed the average color of an app icon. Yeah. Um, how do you figure that out? Well, uh, Toolbox Pro has a get colors from image, which identifies the average color within an image. So I don't know if you were secretly reading my mind or something, Alex, but I'm completely okay with that uh, because this has been really helpful because you also return the primary, secondary, and background colors from the image um, if, if you want them. So I'm currently storing all of them. And uh, no surprises here, I'm storing this data in Airtable right now. Um, but it, it's been it's been very helpful to get me where I need to go with this because I just needed those colors. And I was wasting a lot of time before I was there going, maybe there's an action in one of these 8 billion apps that I have installed on my iPhone and Toolbox Pro propped, popped up to the top. Yeah, but just the idea of that, right? I mean, uh, th- there's people out there that work with colors, maybe they're in design and they need to get colors off a specific image. Mm-hmm. And you would only think that the way to do that is to buy an app that someone developed. But basically, uh, Alex has managed to give those APIs to shortcuts users so we can make our own app. And I don't know, it just delights me. This is also really useful if you um, take photo a photo for um, Instagram and you want to have, and so say it's, so Instagram has a limitation. If you want to upload multiple photos, then they all have to be in the same orientation if you're doing it as a post. Um, but, um, so that means that you, you then have to crop all of your images or you can resize your images and put them on a background. And it's really cool if you put them on a background, that's the average color of your image. 
um, because it looks really fancy if you do that. Um, and so that's that's another great use case for that action. Yeah, that's a good one, Rose. I might make that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure that that one's in the show notes for people because it's a pretty cool uh, way of doing it. I, I, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, I've been struggling a little bit with my shortcut sync, but I think I got it fixed um, with with some more help from from the team over at Apple. Um, uh, because, um, but uh, if I've still got that action, if not, I have to recreate it. Then um, you can you share it multiple images. It calculates whether or not most of your images are landscape or portrait, and then puts them all on um, like and then resizes things to to match. Or if they're mostly square, then it just does the landscape ones. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Zapier. Growing a business is hard, especially when you're spending hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to wherever else. Wouldn't it be easier if all of these things worked together without you lifting a finger? Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all your business software and handles work for you, so you can focus on the things that matter most. So you don't need to waste any more time on tasks that you know could be automated, because that's what Zapier was built to do. So if you work in sales, Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads and send them to a CRM or spreadsheet, and then notify your team so they can act quickly on every opportunity. But whatever your business, you can build the exact solution you need in minutes without writing a code or asking a developer for help. And with support for more than 1,500 business applications, it's no wonder that more than 4.5 million people are saving 40 hours a month using Zapier. I have a Zap that runs at the start of every month. It goes through and checks for any open invoices I have that I need to send and adds tasks for those to OmniFocus, as well as adding a few other things here and there that need doing, like creating new empty invoices for me ready for next month. One of the features that I love is that it integrates with all sorts of software. So you might never have heard of my invoicing software, but Zapier integrates with that as well as QuickBooks and FreshBooks. It's easy to use Zapier. Just put things together with a few clicks, click in a field, and you can select data from any of the previous stages. Right now, through to the end of the month, try Zapier free by going to zapier.com slash automators. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash automators for your 14-day free trial. Go there now, check it out. It'll save you a lot of time. Zapier.com slash automators. Our thanks to Zapier for their support of automators and all of Relay FM. Okay, so we've had some fun talking about images, um, but now... Uh, I think it would be a good opportunity to dive into these slightly more nitty gritty things and perhaps maybe some things that people use their devices for more, which are obviously emoji. Um, But emoji are just some of the text actions that you have available here. Um, And there's all sorts of things. And my favorite one, because this is related to a recent show that we did on regular expressions, is the quick match text because this means that you don't need to use regular expressions because you've put in the hard work for us. Alex, would you like to explain how the quick match text works and where you got the idea for this? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think using regular expressions is is pretty common with um, like advanced shortcuts users to match you know, certain text within a big block of text. So you might match um, the text between one parenthesis and another parenthesis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am terrible with reg- regular expressions. I-, I can never remember them. They look, you know, I, they just don't sit well in my brain because they just don't look like anything to me. Um, so I wanted a way of creating something that was much more sort of user-friendly and that you could just write the text for 
what you want to start matching from and write the text for what you want to end uh, matching from uh, and then have the output just be the text in between those two actions. Um, so that's, that's sort of what I built and hopefully, hopefully that's sort of uh, how it works. Because uh, as well as, of course, uh, you, so you have the between, which is exactly what you describe with the with the starting and the ending, but you also have the matching things after and matching things before, which you can also do this natively in shortcuts with a split text and then get item from the list. But this just combines it down into one action and it's much easier to to wrap your brain around, yeah, so I want all of the text before the colon in this line, please. Um, for example, um, and I, I confess, I may be good at regular expressions, but I'm totally cheating and using this action as well as many of the <laughs> other ones there, um, because it's just really easy. And you also even have the options to um, to uh, do case sensitive matching. So if you've got specifically um, lowercase and uppercase letters that are you know mean different things, and you need to match everything after the last uppercase said. Um, then you can do that as well. And that, that's that been really helpful. And that's definitely a great way of, of cheating because that's what automation is all about. Absolutely. If, if you can do in one action what usually takes, you know, five or six, then uh, that's going to save you some time in the long run, I think. Looking at this, I mean, this is a, a very simple tool to use. You don't need to know anything about regular expressions, you know, to use it. Um, take source text it lets you look at it in various ways and, and like rose said it's got check boxes for case sensitivity and new lines so you can build something like a regular expression there are certainly things you can do with regular expressions that you could not do with this tool but for the vast majority of your regex like searches this is good enough and it's so much easier yes and I would like to point out that uh, you don't use the word regular or you don't use regex anywhere except in the description, which is really good because then if you search for regex because you're there going, okay, right, I have to write a regular expression. There are four actions that show up. Three of them are from shortcuts. And then there's the easy one, Toolbox Pro, uh, which says <laughs> quick match text. And I'm there going, yes, I want the quick one. That's how I yeah, found it to start one. with. I was looking for match text. And then it was like, wait, quick match text? This sounds like fun. Yeah, good um, job on the name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, that, that's been extremely helpful to me. I needed to get all the domains uh, after some email addresses the other day. And it was there going, quick match text to the rescue. Find everything at the, after the at sign. Done. But but Rose jumped to the I think the most advanced one. There's a lot of easier ones too. Oh yeah, you know, like you can you can trim text. You can, you can work with emoji. A lot of your like change the case of text. A lot of your basic text manipulation tools are all very accessible with some of the actions you've created. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of these are actually really easy to do in Swift. Swift has a lot of text manipulation tools. Um, and really what I'm doing is porting them into shortcuts. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I've, I'm trying to do with a lot of tools, really, is just sort of work through um, things that are sort of quick and easy to do um, for coders and add those to shortcuts to make it easy for sort of, um, you know, regular users uh, to use easily. Yeah, because that is inaccessible to us. We don't have the ability to open up Swift and, and write that into iOS. I mean, I guess that's the point I was trying to make earlier is, we don't get those tools unless somebody like you makes something like this. Yeah, that's right. Whereas with the Mac, you can you can kind of roll your own. But but on, on iOS, the way things work with automation is it's gotta be built into shortcuts. So this really this app really does scratch an itch for me at least. Oh good. I'm I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> and uh 
I, I just saw that one of the one of the actions what you just mentioned, David, the trim text action. You you appear to have recently implemented the the feature that I asked for not that long ago, which is removing uh, empty spaces from the start and the end of text because that is one of the things that I run into all the time. I've got text from somewhere and I've got spaces and new lines at the beginning and or at the end or both. Um, and I have to clear that up. I'm writing a regular expression to match empty spaces and new lines is quite easy. And it's also extremely easy to get wrong. So being able to trim the the empty space off of the the start and the end of things is, is definitely something I've been looking for. So I'm really glad to see that that's there. Yeah, that was a real, really good suggestion. I'm not sure why I didn't uh, implement that straight away in the uh, trim text tool. So uh, thanks for that. You know, I haven't looked. Am I able to trim tabs as well with this? Uh, it trims spaces at the start and end. So I think it should do. I haven't tested that, to be honest. Yeah, but, um, I'll look into I'll have that. a look at it. That You may replace another app if you do that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's my aim. I'm going to swallow all the apps. <laughs> um, uh, have I covered the text tools, though? I mean, I think we've, we've got most of them. The emo- Talk about the emoji stuff. Like, find emoji, as dumb as it sounds... That's actually kind of helpful in a shortcut. Well, I what I've done is um somebody sent me an emoji the other day and I didn't know what the name of it was. And if you know the name, then quite often you can figure out where it is in the emoji uh, keyboard to actually use it yourself. Yeah. And so what I did is I copied the text and I, I built a little shortcut which gets the emojis uh, from the text using your action, Alex. Um, and then it uses the shortcuts action to get the name of the emoji for me. And it just shows me an alert with all the emojis that were in the text and the names of them next to it. Um, and that's pretty helpful if you want to, you know, find out where that which emoji is. Um, when when I realized it was a witch, I realized, of course, it's next to the people, which means it's near the yellow face emojis, which are somewhere near the beginning. Um, you know, all those those golden shiny faced emojis, um, which I, I, I like to use. Um, and uh, that's that's definitely help, helping to improve my emoji list um, or usage. Uh, that said, I have yet to figure out a way to cheat at the game. What's that emoji? Um, so I, I'm still waiting in action for that, but this is pretty useful. I have to admit, um, I got the um, Mandalorian sticker set, and I have a whole catalog of Baby Yoda stickers, so emoji don't matter to me anymore. I can emote everything I need with Baby Yoda. Okay. Well, no more spoilers, <laughs> because Alex and I don't get until late March uh, by the looks of Disney+. Oh, Plus, man. So. You're going to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I can't that wait. Uh, good things. <laughs> Yes, that said, I have heard about Baby Yoda. Yeah. But as well as uh, finding emoji, you also have removing emoji because this is something that often breaks. So, for example, if you're trying to send data via URL scheme, then emoji will, they need to be URL encoded, but the URL encoding action doesn't always grab emoji. So it's pretty useful to just be able to strip any emoji out of your text um, to to deal with that. And so the remove emoji um, can also remove special characters. Um, which is quite useful because special characters often muck things up when you're trying to do deal with you know complex uh, actions. So being able to simplify that and remove all of those has been very useful. I, I want to talk a little bit about the authenticate action. So yeah, I always understood that Touch ID and Face ID are a black box. Basically, developers really don't have access to your fingerprint or your face, but it, it asks the system is this that person? And then the um, the silicon and the operating system figures it out through touch ID and face ID and turns back a, a thumbs yet, thumbs up or thumbs down. You know, So basically an app developer puts a query and they get a yes or a no back. So I knew that you know there wouldn't be much 
for developers to see. But it never occurred to me the idea of saying, well, why can't I just add that as an action to a shortcut? So if I've got a shortcut that involves sensitive information or something that I just don't want other people to be able to run or see, add that authentication layer. And and you added it with Toolbox Pro. There is a step now. There's a shortcut action out of Toolbox Pro that just says authenticate. And it's done very cleverly. It knows you know how you authenticate on whatever device you're running on it. And it does it for you. And it allows you to go forward or it stops you. Um, I guess my first question is, how did it even occur to you to do that? And and how complicated was it to create? Well, I guess this, this is a sort of perfect example of um, a framework that developers have access to that I'm just exposing to shortcuts users. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, it's pretty easy to implement for a developer. And as you say, you just get a true or false um, and really all the tool is doing is just running that framework and returning the result to the user. Um, now it's sort of arguable, I suppose, how useful that is, uh, inside of shortcuts, because yeah. I guess technically, uh, you know, if you have access to a shortcut, you can edit them, you know, you can, you could delete that action, I suppose. Yeah. But I think, you know, I've seen people use them to limit their access or limit access um, using an automation um, so that when you open an app, for example, it will throw you to Toolbox Pro and authenticate you. And if it's successful, then it will let you, it will return you to the app that you try to authenticate. Uh, and if it's unsuccessful, it will, you know, like take a picture of you and email it to someone or you, you can sort of add all those sort of security steps in. So it's, it's sort of been fun to see what sort of people are making with it. Yeah, that, that was really my next question is what are people doing with it? And that, that's kind of an interesting, what if you put a, put a shortcut on your home screen that says, do not touch, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, Secret it's like a honey here. trap. Yeah. <laughs> and then just see who picks it up and taps it. And then you get a picture of them touching it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the authenticate action, as you said, is most useful either for automations or home screen things. Because of course, if you're running something inside of the shortcuts app, then it's it's not that difficult to tap on the three dots in the top right hand corner of a shortcut to and then remove that action. Um, of course, depending on how the person has created their shortcut, you may then have to to do some other messing around and rejigging things to get everything to work. Um, but you know, for for a casual person that picks up a phone and goes, "Hey, pretty, pretty app icon, touch," and then it it takes a photo of them and um, e- you know, emails it to somebody else, um, <laughs> and maybe plays a siren sound and says, "I'm calling the police in three, two, or something." Uh, you know, that that could be quite fun. Uh, full uh, disclaimer: I am not responsible if you actually call the police and they are not happy with you because somebody picked up your phone. Uh, please be smart. Um, but um, you That's know, one of the things you uh, almost regretted saying as it came out of your mouth, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, don't actually call the police. Like, pretend by all means in a shortcut that you are going to call the police, but no actual calling the police unless it's you know genuine emergencies. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where I can see, like, that's the sort of thing that I would build into a shortcut that I give somebody else to use, um, where, you know, they're they're using it. Maybe there's a password inside of the shortcut or something. Um, and, it, you know, you just don't want somebody who just picks it up to just see everything um, as it runs. Um, of course, it depends on exactly what the shortcut is. But I, I can see some good use cases for that. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking of a client that um, does a web-based service for uh, his customers. He's a software developer and, and he's been adding shortcuts 
to um, use your home screens to help data collection in the workplace. And that would be a good use for authentication because you don't want someone else using your device to put bad data into the system. So just make to run an authentication step in that shortcut before you let somebody into the database. So yeah, I, I mean, it's I, I get that that's not super secure, but there's a lot of people out in the world that that would be secure enough. I mean, at least it would it would stop the um, you know, the most basic level of troublemaker. And it, it's one of those things where somebody, you know, is just picking up your, your phone to have a play with it. It's going to slow them down enough that you'll probably be back at your device before they, they figured out how to get around that um, or while they're figuring out how to get around that. And then you can go, <clears throat> are you sure you should be doing this with my device? And then they'll look at you very sheepishly and apologize and give you chocolate. Because that's how life works. <laughs> One of the things I don't like about Shortcuts, Alex, is the way it displays menu items. I mean, it's okay. It's, it's functional. But it's not very pretty. And you kind of tried to take that on with Toolbox Pro. Explain what you did and, and how that works. Yeah, so I think there's there's a... In the current menu system, you can't show images. Um, but there's lots of workarounds because when you show a menu, uh, show a list rather of contacts, it shows their contact images to the left of the text. Um, and I think there's there's sort of techniques that people have been using um, over the years with workflow and shortcuts um, to create uh, contacts within the shortcut itself um, using you know whatever you want your menu icon to be um, as a contact image. Uh, and then you show that list of contacts and it basically looks like a very pretty menu system. Um, but it's quite tricky to do because you have to use uh, V cards, which are like a textual representation of a contact uh, and editing them is a bit of a nightmare it, it's sort of uh it feels like you're editing code really yeah so what i wanted to do was create a really sort of visual system for doing that um so i added a create menu item action um and that hopefully makes it much simpler for you know people who don't even know about the workaround um to create these really attractive menus really easily um, and one of the things that I wanted to do was give you different ways of adding those images to those menu items. Um, so, for example, if you're accessing data from an API, you can use a, a URL as the source of the image, um, and it will download that uh, image, it will resize it to the correct size, and then it will show it. So that's like a really easy way. You just have to sort of use the URL of whatever you're pulling from the internet. Um, and one that I was really happy with how it came out um, was the icon generator. I don't know whether either of you have used that at all. Yeah, I've been experimenting a little bit, but I have a feeling I've got myself on the wrong foot. So it'd be great if you could explain how that works so I can steal that information and use it. Sure. So, so basically, in iOS 13, Apple introduced um, for, de for developers something called uh, SF symbols. Um, and that is like a list of... 2,000 symbols, I think it is, something like that, um, that developers can use within their apps. Um, and they're like, they're great. They're resizable. You can sort of color them. They match the text that they're with. And of course, I, will, I want to sort of uh, let shortcuts users use those as well. Yeah. So you can actually use the name of an SF symbol, um, which you can find. Uh, there's a couple of apps on iOS that let you sort of search all the symbols and um, find the names of them. Um, I think SF Symbol Search is one of them. Uh, and there's the SF Symbols app on the Mac. 
uh, which is downloaded from Apple. But if you type the name of that into the menu item creator, you can also enter uh, a color for it, just like a hex code. Um, and it will use those to create these sort of really attractive um, menu items, basically. Uh, and then, of course, because because you have these attractive menu items, of course, vi- humans are fairly visual people. Um, you know, not not everybody is as visual as the next person. But I, I find that if I see an image, I don't need to read the text most of the time if the if the image is set up correctly. Um, and so I've been experimenting a little bit with creating menu items with, you know, like a, a red trash icon uh, next to the delete option, just so that I, I can easily instantly recognize what that is. Um, and that is quite useful just because then you don't waste your time reading. You just tap on the pretty red one and your 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 image or whatever it is that you've been working on is gone. Whereas otherwise you're there going, okay, just making sure nothing's changed order because I didn't accidentally drag something around in the menu. Uh, yeah, okay, that's that definitely says delete, tap on it. Um, and maybe I save half a second every time I run it, but it feels a little more joyful to use. Yeah, it gives you a much more app-like experience as well, I think. Like obviously you can't create your own um, UI within shortcuts, but I think it's the closest you can get to giving giving a sort of real character to the shortcuts that you make, or as you say, like um, allowing you to sort of visualize which which button's going to do what more easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as it is, all you get is a plain text list, which is it's okay, but it could be so much better. And when you're giving us like app. API style shortcuts, then all of a sudden we want it to start to look like an app too. I, I know I do. And that's that's one of the things that I am really enjoying experimenting with and also seeing. Um, so for people who who don't follow Toolbox Pro on Twitter, I highly recommend that you do because it's always interesting seeing the experiments. Of course, um, I'm sure every so often you're going to tweet something and then afterwards go, no, this is not possible to implement just because, <laughs> you know, this is too complicated or there's a bug in, in this API that I wanted to use and it, it crashes you know one in every 100 times but one in every 100 doesn't sound like a lot but when you roll this out to a couple of thousand users it's it's suddenly quite a few people if they run that action five times a day um so it's always interesting seeing what's happening and seeing the number of things that make this make every shortcut more and more app-like um is very very nice um and quite helpful You've got a couple built on finding data on entertainment. You got like find games, find movies. What I, I've never figured out where to use those. <laughs> Maybe I don't play enough games. But but how you know what was the thinking behind those? Uh, I guess that was quite an early experiment with uh, trying to wrap like an a, a web API into a single action. Yeah. Um, so the the find movies um, action, for example is searching uh, the movie database website and sort of retrieving that data from it. Because uh, it's, you know, you can search APIs within shortcuts. Yeah. But again, it takes a lot of setting up and a lot of sort of repeat actions and it can be quite slow. Um, so I sort of just was playing around with, you know, data that people might find useful. Like I've seen people um, create um, media to-do lists, for example. So yeah. If there's a movie that you've heard about that you want to watch, um, you could create a shortcut to save that to a list to watch later. You could save it to your reminders or notes or something like that. But having that action lets you search for that movie and maybe you could pull the poster image, for example, or the year it was created or anything like that. So that's that's the sort of idea behind it. But obviously there's lots of different things you could do with it. Yeah, that makes sense. 
This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Kensington, the professional's choice. Find the right docking solutions for your organization today. Head over to kensington.com automators to learn more. Kensington are the people who make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. It's so easy to use. You can get access to more ports and make your sleek MacBook, Chromebook, or other laptop as powerful as a desktop. It's plug and play with no drivers, so you can enjoy up to two dual 4K displays with HDMI and DisplayLink video connectors, plus USB 3.0, USB-C, and Thunderbolt 3 with power delivery available. Kensington's engineering team has three decades of experience in high-volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus rigorous test cycles and quality control, which means their products are tested above industry standards. If you're an IT decision maker looking to find the right docking solutions for your organization, check out Kensington's Pro Concierge program and test drive a docking solution today. So go over to kensington.com slash automators, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S, right now to check out Kensington. That's right, kensington.com slash automators to learn more and get your docking station. Our thanks to Kensington for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, so I have been, I, t- I teased this earlier, and I have, one of the things that I've really been loving are global variables, the ability to save a variable in one shortcut and get it back in another. And this has managed to completely change the way that I use shortcuts because previously I was saving everything into iCloud files. And then every so often I would accidentally untoggle that action that says overwrite uh, the file and I would get really weird results or something would go wrong with the iCloud sync between devices um, because I didn't have internet and I didn't realize I didn't have internet and something hadn't synced from this iPad to that iPhone. Um, And it was driving me a little bit insane. Um, and of course, you can't work around me not having internet. That That's very much my problem. But you've implemented global variables, so at least I don't have to deal with files anymore. Uh, is that how you came up with the idea, seeing people, you know, trying to find a solution for this? Or did you just decide that you you needed something better than a variable? Yeah, I think it's it's something that people have probably struggled with. As soon as you get to a sort of level of complexity with shortcuts, where you need to persist data between your shortcuts where you need to save something that you want to use later from a different shortcut uh, or between your devices, then you start having to look for different solutions. And as you say, like one of them was saving data to iCloud. Some people save data to Notes, uh, but it can be quite fiddly and you've got to, you've got to make sure you sort of remember the names uh, of the files that you're saving and all that sort of stuff. It's easy to delete them. So I wanted a solution that would make it you know, super simple and feel quite native within um, shortcuts. Uh, so global variables is what I came up with. Um, and it's really just for syncing text, um, but it's, it takes the same idea of a variable within shortcuts, So, which is you know, to save a piece of data that you want to use later within the same shortcut, but it broadens it out. So, that, so if you save some text into a, single vari- a global variable, that text will then be accessible in any other shortcut on any of your devices that are logged into your iCloud account. And that's all synced securely using iCloud. It's encrypted. Um, and it's accessible within the Toolbox Pro app itself as well. So an example of that um, is if you use your home address, for example, in lots of different shortcuts, um, you could type that as a global variable in the Toolbox Pro app. 
Um, and then from any shortcuts, you could pull that home address to use um, however you wish. Maybe you want to you know, get directions back to your home address. Well, then if you moved home, you wouldn't have to edit your home address in every single shortcut you'd created, which accesses it. You could just open the Toolbox Pro app and change it in one place. And then those changes would ripple out to all of your shortcuts, which is like a really big time saving feature for me, I think. Yes, I've been using this. Um, so when I clock in at work in the morning, it stores the time that I've clocked in. Um, and then when I clock out, it takes the time that I'm clocking out, gets back the time that I'm clocking in um, and calculates how long I've been at work during the day. Of course, I usually have a fairly good idea anyway, and I, I do have other tools, but I like to see exactly how long it is according to to my shortcuts and my calculations. Um, and that, that's that been quite helpful because I can do that, but I can also store um you know, whether or not I've um, I've been taking some different vitamins in the morning and I've been storing uh, every day that I've taken the vitamins, I've been logging that, I've been adding that. So I've got a don't break the chain going on in, in Toolbox Pro because I was experimenting with that after uh, streaks um, from our last episode and I was there going, I want a slightly nerdier way of tracking my vitamin intake because that's me. Um, and it's it's been quite fun seeing that number go up. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say that I am indeed at, uh, well, we're recording this not long after that episode releases, but I am at seven right now. I've been taking my vitamins seven days consistently. So go me. Good. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really, I never realized how you say vitamins in the UK. I like it. Well, well, why, yeah, would, vi- why would we put the extra em- emphasis on the <laughs> Why would you say vitamins? That makes that the it doesn't make sense. Uh, we're we're a wild country here in the United oh, States. Yeah. The, um, uh, but but you know, getting back to the idea of a global variable, I mean, what it what it's really doing, you know, and and a theme of this show really has been, you know, if you can get tools like Toolbox Pro, you can build your own apps. And one thing you need when you build your own app is you need a place to put data. And, and so with the global variable implementation of Toolbox Pro. You can store data and it, it's just toolbox pro is just saying, Hey, I'll hold it for you right here. You know, and, and that's a better way to do it than trying to like hack your iCloud account. And it just makes so much more sense. And, um, again, it's, it's a very elegant solution. And uh, I just continue to be impressed how you figured out these problems, Alex, and you just kept knocking them down. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, when I was designing toolbox pro and I, th- I guess I should probably say that Global Variables is a free tool. Um, I think like 22 of the tools are completely free to use. And I wanted um, I wanted to give free users access to, as you say, a sort of backend for their shortcuts, which which I, is how I think of Global Variables. Yeah. Um, and also give them a front end. And that front end is the sort of preview tool. Um, and that's a way of... of um, seeing your data visually in ways that you can't in shortcuts at the moment. So I, I see those two um, as a sort of yin and yang, I suppose, that um, you can save all your data to the global variables, and then you can, for example, um, view your sort of um, formatted text and images within the preview tool. And I think having those two together brings it a, a big step closer to feeling more like an app. What, when you were developing it, did you were any of the the shortcuts you made things are like, no, that there's no way that would be possible. And then you shocked yourself and made it anyway. Uh, I think when I was, you know, we were talking about the um, actions that have to jump into toolbox pro. I sort of hadn't worked that out for a long time. 
And I kept having these actions that would crash, you know, trying to do these huge machine learning um, actions within a very small amount of memory, you know, wasn't working very well. Yeah. So I think as, as soon as I figured out that I could actually jump into Toolbox Pro, do the action and then push it back into shortcuts, that was a, that was a bit of a sort of um, light bulb moment, I think, in terms of really opening the door to basically being able to do anything. Um, so I've got lots of ideas that I still want to um, put into the app. So I'm, I'm working through them. I bet. Yes. We got to get you past the 100 limit, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, not quite sure how to do that yet, but uh, I'll get there. Maybe there'll be um, 10 Toolbox Pro apps on the App Store. I'm not sure. <laughs> Toolbox Pro, Toolbox Ultra, Toolbox Mega. Um, I, I can see a whole series of, of Toolbox Pro actions. Um, and apps. Um, but I, I just wanted to to do a little bit of a shout out to some other really useful actions that you have here. So you've got like checking whether or not an app is installed um, and whether or not audio is playing. This is one I use literally every day, twice a day as I'm as so when I leave work and when I get home. When I leave work, it checks if uh, music is playing. Um, and if it is, it makes sure that my AirPods Pro are set to transparency not noise cancelling because wandering around outside where there are trams and people and electric scooters, not with me on them. Just to clarify, I'm not allowed on electric scooters. David has forbidden me from electric scooters. Um, (laughs) um, But it checks and it makes sure that they're in transparency. But then when I get home, if audio is playing, it hands it off to my HomePods. Um, And that's just... How are you triggering those, Rose? Uh, So uh, when I leave work, I clock out. um, And my clock out action... um, If I tell tell it I'm commuting, then it will also run another mini shortcut that does a couple of things. Like it it checks whether or not I need to hurry home for a podcast or if I don't need to hurry home for a podcast, um, if I have need to go shopping because there are things on my shopping list. Um, And it it checks the the audio as part of this as well, Um, just in the background. It doesn't ask me anything about the audio. I don't give myself a choice. It's transparency when I run that. Sure. and uh, yeah, and then there's also checking whether or not the sun is up, if your VPN is connected um, and um, rating music, which is something I still can't believe isn't in shortcuts, but I don't need it to be in shortcuts because it's here in Toolbox Pro and manually scaling images um, is very, very useful, surprisingly useful, actually. Um, so th- those are all some of my my favorite little actions there. <laughs> Yeah, the the love and add music uh, is a really useful action that I use a lot, actually. Because mm. it's just, um, like, if you're listening to, like, a mixed playlist, for example, um, you can hit one button, you can love it, and then add it to your library. And if your library is set to download music automatically, then that will just download straight to your device. And so that's, like, um, just a great automation that you couldn't previously do. So I use that one a lot as well. Uh, that's another one that I mean, was just shocking that, the Apple Music app hadn't already donated something like it. It's like, mm-hmm. how did they miss that? Well, yeah, you knows? don't you don't need to worry about that anymore because Toolbox Pro is writing to the rescue uh, with its <laughs> hammer icon at the ready. Um, so I'm, I'm. It's also got the format date action, of course, because formatting dates is quite tricky and, and understanding the exact syntax um, is a little bit weird every so often. Um, and it's it's nice to see that format date extended action for those people who, unlike me, have not yet memorized the date formatting. Um, I don't know why I have formatted, uh, memorized that if you type five capital E's, you get just the first letter of the day of the week. 
um, that I have, um, and that's quite useful. <laughs> but it's it's nice to know that Format Day Extended is there for everybody else who's not quite as insane as I am. Yeah, I have to look that stuff up every time I do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's why I made it to, so I didn't have to look it up anymore. I was just getting sick of it. <laughs> I think I'd looked it up often enough that it's just part of my brain now. <laughs> Alex, you've heard from a lot of, of users, I'm sure, since you've released the app. Um, what are some of the uses of some of these 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 steps you've created that that just blew your mind? Uh, oh God, there's been quite a few that have been sort of really surpassed what I thought you could do with it. To be honest, um, there's uh, a guy called Stu Mashwitz um, yeah. who created two two amazing um, automations: one called Burst Slice uh, and one called Panoman. Uh, and I think Burst Slice uh, takes a, a, uh, an image that you've taken on your phone uh, that's a live image, and it basically creates a sort of panorama of all those um, burst images stitched together uh, and lets you sort of preview it in the preview tool and gives you buttons that you can sort of change all the sort of variables so you can adjust it so it's exactly how you like. Um, that was that really blew my mind because it was using the preview tool in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before. Yeah. Like really using it as a um, a front end for changing, uh, you know, the result of of the um, shortcut itself. Sounds like an app you would pay for. I mean, when you hear, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just built it with you know a, a few actions in, inside of uh, shortcuts. I've got links to both of those for the show notes, by the way. So for anybody who's there going, Burst Slice sounds really interesting, or or what is Pano Man? They're both in the show notes for you. <laughs> yeah, I think another one, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen Federico Vitici's Music Bot Pro. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was just for Mac Stories um, subscribers. But he created Music Bot, which he released for free. And then he created this um, extra one. I think it's got 1,052 actions in it. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a real serious shortcut. Um, but he uses a lot of the Toolbox Pro music actions to let you do more. So you can like music uh, in it. You can uh, start playing music that isn't inside your library, which Shortcuts doesn't currently let you do. So, I mean, you know, that sort of blew my mind, seeing what he'd uh, conjured up out of nowhere. Just the idea of dragging in 1,000 actions, it just makes me tired. Just thinking about it. Yeah. How do you manage a shortcut like that? I'm not quite sure. Or even like, I imagine when he's editing it, we, we've got to get Federico on it. I got to hear about this story, but you can imagine editing it, you know, like in shortcuts when you're like scrolling to edit and sometimes you accidentally move a step. <laughs> and with a then, thousand steps and you don't know what you just moved. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that, that, that would not be fun. But yeah. on the other hand, he does at least have the 12.9-inch iPad. If he was editing this on an iPhone SE, um, then then we might need to send help. Um, but he does have 12.9-inch iPads, uh, or at least one of them. So that does make it a little bit easier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for me, it's just really the scanning and text manipulation tools. I just find all sorts of uses for them. You know, the um, the poor man's regular expressions that you built in, I, I find uses for that stuff all the time. So it's, it's a great app. I'm really happy that you're having success with it because I want you to continue working on it. <laughs> we didn't talk about that, but you can download a free copy and you get a, a limited set of features. But if you pay a little bit of money, you get the you unlock the entire app. And if you're listening this far into automators, you probably should just be a customer. And uh, I have to say, you know, the fact that all things like the global variables and so on are included for free um, inside of the app um, and uh, creating Apple Music playlists is another one that's free. Um, th there's a lot of free actions 
Um, and it's well worth it. And uh, even if you can't afford the in-app purchase, there's also a tip jar. Um, so that that's uh, another way of, of showing support if you if you do like it and use it, which I'm sure uh, the vast majority of our listeners will find something in Toolbox Pro that can help them with their with their shortcuts. Rose, do you have any particular um, shortcuts you're using Toolbox Pro steps in that we haven't already discussed today that you'd like to mention? No, but I am working on a few. Um, specifically, I was, uh, I've been experimenting. I'm trying to watch more films in 2020. Um, and so I've been experimenting with building like a little library of films that I want to watch um, with the global variables and the film actions. It's not finished yet. Um, that said, if I get it finished by the time the show releases, then I will make sure a link to that is in the show notes and I write up a post on it so that everyone can read about it. Um, but I'm liking the get movie details for that one as well so that I can add it to, of course, uh, there there might end up being some Airtable in the background, but at the moment I'm just building quite a large dictionary and storing it in a global variable. Well, Alex, hey, you're a busy guy. You're editing documentary films. You're creating an app that we all all love. Um, what do you do with your free time, man? <laughs> How do you... <laughs> What free time? <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I, if people want to find you, we've been mentioning the Twitter account. What is the Twitter account for the app? Uh, it's Toolbox Pro app. Okay, so make sure you follow that. And do you have a website we can point folks to? Uh, yeah, it's toolboxpro.app. <laughs> so pretty oh, simple. Oh, dot app. Yeah, nice. Excellent. And the app is called Toolbox Pro. So everybody go check, at, check it out. Make sure you get a, a copy for yourself. And uh, of course, uh, don't forget that you can, of course, follow both Toolbox Pro and Automators on Twitter. We are Automators FM. Toolbox Pro is at Toolbox Pro app. And uh, there are, of course, places where people can find you, David. Yeah, you can find me over at MaxBarkey.com. That points to everything. And you can find me at RosemaryOrchard.com, which also points to everything. You can find the show over at relay.fm slash automators. Or if you want to join us in our forums, that is at talk.automators.fm. We do have a thread for every show. Feel free to deluge uh, Alex with feature requests. I cannot promise that he will implement any or indeed all of them, but uh, it's always interesting to see what you are using the shortcuts for that we share in our show notes. The Instagram shortcut is, of course, in the show notes. So share any Toolbox Pro shortcuts that you have built uh, with us so that we can all uh, exclaim with joy and see what people are actually doing with this app. Thank you, Text Expander, Zapier, and Kensington, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>